and nothing pisses me off more than having to watch the same episode of television two nights in a row before bed. I feel you. I'm the same way. It really bothers me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you fell asleep 10 minutes into South Park. I am not watching it again. I've already seen it. I saw it last night. Watch it on your own time. Scary fierce. Scary fun. Scary mommy speaks. (laughs) So normally we try to keep our potty mouths under wraps. Do we? I mean, barely, barely. (laughs) But this episode is for the weary and the sleep deprived, the parents who have no more energy for niceties. So we're going to let it all hang out. Be warned, our use of profanities will be liberal. This episode is for all of you very, very, very tired mamas out there. It's all about sleeping. Parents are constantly talking about how they do not get enough sleep because their kids or babies aren't sleeping. And I feel like we'd all literally trade a limb for an extra hour of sleep at this you point. You literally said that and you sounded like you were starting to fall asleep while you said that. It's the facts of life. <laughs> I mean, listen, I have pretended to go to the bathroom just to take a quick snooze. That's not even my confession Have you actually today. done that? I have actually done that. Wow. Both. I've done it to eat a cupcake in peace. <laughs> Don't judge. (laughs) Well, thankfully, we are talking to two sleep experts. One is Dr. Craig Hanapari, director of the Yale Pediatric Sleep Center. He actually gave us one-on-one advice for our kids, and we implemented it. So stick around for that interview because he gives great, great, great tips on good sleep practices and how to deal with the dreaded sleep regressions. And also the nicest professional in the entire world. So nice. Um, So while every kid is different, you never know if one of his tips might work for you, so you might not want to miss that. Our other expert is a bit different. Different kind of expert. Different kind. Uh, If you haven't heard of him, you've read his book, Go the Fuck to Sleep. Adam Mansback is here to talk about it and the sequel. Fuck, now there are two of you? Thank you, Adam, for hearing the silent cries and drooping eyelids of parents everywhere. And we're also talking about the Lullaby League, the role music plays in getting our babies to sleep, and how it also helps us to bond with them. Oh, I do love a show tune. Yeah, we know, Carrie. Love a show tune. We know. And as always, we have confessions, but these are the sleepy kind. They're about sleep, and hopefully they will not put you to sleep. No, they definitely won't. All right, we have Adam Mansback with us today, which is such an honor. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. We're very excited. If you don't know, Adam is the author of the amazing book, Go the Fuck to Sleep, You Have to Fucking Eat, and Fuck, Now There Are Two of You, among um, uh, so many other amazing books. Um, so thank you for coming. Yeah. And we're excited that you're going to be reading a little bit from your newest one, yes. right? The Washington Post said about your first book, it was a parenting zeitgeist, a phenomenon that has stunned the publishing world and may just redefine the modern parenting market. Your truth-telling with the help of profanity. Did you realize at the time that you were having a zeitgeist? That I was yes, redefining exactly. the zeitgeist? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I sat down one day, had a stiff drink, and was like, let me redefine the zeitgeist real <laughs> And let quick. me teach Carrie how to say it. Yeah. it. Totally yeah. change all children's books with right. this one. No, I mean— you know, sometimes, I mean, no, I did not. I I, 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 was, I remember being incredibly tickled at the idea that the book was even going to be published. Right. That like something this crazy and ridiculous and different from anything else I'd ever done was actually going to see the light of day. So what made you come up with the theme which then led to the series? You know, Go the Fuck to Sleep was like very sort of innocent and unpremeditated. I made a joke to some friends one night 
that I should write a children's book called Go the Fuck to Sleep, Mm -hmm. you know? And as soon as I said it, I realized that actually I knew how to write that book. I knew how it would sort of play on the the tropes of these very snoozy parent, like bedtime books where like all the cutesy kittens and bunnies and shit, and you're reading it and you're falling asleep and your kid is not. Yeah. You know, I, I sort of had this notion that interspersing that with like the real parental monologue might be very funny. Right. So I wrote it. I didn't really think much of it. Like I, I read it at some family gatherings and stuff and people laughed. And I've, it took me months to even send it to a publisher. And when I did, I was like, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, you know, do like, you like, what do you it? think? Yeah. Like, you think this could be a book? And he was like, I think it's funny. His wife read it. She's like, I'm in tears. You got to publish it. But we kind of dithered for like months because we thought that maybe we were just shitty parents. You know? <laughs> And like we couldn't figure out where in a bookstore like, it would only go. Shitty parents are gonna find this funny. Yeah, yeah. but like well, that's why of, we like it so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, he sort of kept showing it to people, and people kept being like, "Yes." And then I remember a turning every parent point, has felt that way. Yeah, yeah, multiple yeah, as times. It, right, as it turns out, yeah. this was like this cathartic thing that parents all felt, but were sort of afraid to say. And you know, there's all this preciousness around parenting, and like particularly, I mean, this was almost ten years ago, so. Maybe things have shifted. I think you guys have shifted the landscape significantly. Thank you. We're trying. You know? We're trying. Yeah. I mean, Scary Mommy overall, is it's kind of the same thing as, as you know, the same message as what the Go Fuck series. Yeah. I mean, what, what's the proper name for <laughs> the it? Fuck series. I, I, I think we're going to go with that. But it's, it's the same kind of notion where it's like parenthood, you know, we all try and put on these airs of like parenthood is perfect, babies. Right. But really it's like, oh my fucking God, why is this happening? Yeah. And it's just, I think there's camaraderie in all of that yeah, with each other. definitely. But only if you talk about it, right? Only right. if you're willing to admit that your life is not perfect. Yes. And sometimes, although you love your kid to death, like, you might also want to throw them out a window from time to time. Right, yeah. You're not going to. No. But, you know. It's healthy to think it and not do it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the first one, Go the Fuck to Sleep, came out in 2011. We kind of discussed why you think it caught on so well. Did you also happen to see a problem at the time with all the parenting blogs and the books that were out? Because I I feel like you kind of broke the mold. Yeah. I felt like, I mean, to be honest, I was not reading a ton of parenting blogs. Yeah. You know? But I think the the literature, the parent, the kids' books, all of it, yeah, it seemed a little precious and not incredibly honest. Also, kids' books they're bizarre. They're, weird. They're so bizarre. Yeah. A lot of them are like psychotic. Yeah. I know. What's the one, the the runaway bunny? The, I hate that one. That's, That's the same author that, of Good Night Moon. Yeah, yeah. That shit is terrifying. That's terrifying. It's basically I'll, like I'll follow no, you wherever yeah, you go. No matter where the fuck you go, <laughs> I will you will find never you. escape me and my overwhelming, smothering love. It's like that Julia Roberts movie where yeah. she says she can't swim and then she learns how to swim and gets away from her like yeah. abusive husband. Wait, is Except that it's a Sleeping with the Enemy? Sleeping with the Enemy, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's basically that in children's board book bunnies. form. You have quite a now, now from having your, your last child, you have quite a large span. How is it to have kids that are that wide range yeah, of What ages? is the span? So I have an 11-year-old, Vivian, who I wrote Go the Fuck to Sleep mm-hmm. about. Uh, I have a two-and-a-half-year-old named Xanthi. And I have a 10-month-old named Asa. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, fuck now there are two of you is actually an understatement. Cause, like, fuck I'm, now there are fuck three, now of you. three of you. Right. Yeah. I figured that would be a little less relatable. But for me, having two babies is like, fuck, well, now yeah. there are two of you. Yeah. When you read this to your own children, do yeah. you leave the fucks in? No. No? I don't. Interesting. Because, I mean, I've been down this road before in terms of, like, my children using curse words very liberally mm-hmm. and I can't say shit like what am I going to be you know like the reason we have a house is because of the word fuck, fuck. Right. Exactly. right so 
you know, the like, house that fucks Bill. Yeah, pretty and much. Because you live in San Francisco, so right, yeah, right, right. yeah. It's a color on the palette, and like cursing is important, and it's effective, and it's meaningful. It's not something we do because we don't know other words. Right. You can use them articulately or inarticulately, and yeah, at this point, my kid is eleven. I just want her to curse well. Yeah, right. I, you know. I know she's not going to not curse, so I just want her to, like, be effective with her cursing. There, you know, there's always those articles the on the internet, the studies. I mean, I feel like they just are trying to make us feel no, better. No, I think they're Where they say that highly intelligent people are the ones that curse. That's also the same thing, the same kind of people that write that really creative people have dirty desks. Huh. It's the oh, same kind of article. That. But evidently, intelligent people curse, which yeah. makes us freaking Oh, I'm a genius. I'm like, <laughs> we're all of us, we're like in Mensa. You're a very accomplished writer, author. You've done a ton of books. In, in other different than, genres. Yeah. 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 I write I write novels and screenplays and I'm doing more of that. More of the screenwriting nowadays. Did you always want to be a writer? I pretty much did. Yeah. yeah. My family has stories about me at like the age of four or five, like walking around making people take dictation at parties, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and my this is this would have been mostly at my You were making them do it? My uh, my grandmother was a poet, and a lot of her circle was literary. So I would be at her cocktail parties tugging on people's pant legs, and they would be like Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. And I'd be like, yo, take some notes. put down that gin and tonic, <laughs> take this pad. I got a new Star Wars story that I would like That's you to amazing. write down for me. Yeah. Your first book was narrated by Samuel L. Jackson, and this one is going to be narrated by the amazing Larry David. Yeah, no, it's incredible. And it's even more incredible because Larry David doesn't do shit, you know? Like, yeah. I, my sense is that he almost never even leaves his house. Um, <laughs> so I was very honored and surprised that he would do this. Well, the good news is, reading from a book, you know, you, he could just do it at his house. Yeah. So he, maybe that was the draw. <laughs> for this one, you know, I was very focused on getting Larry, but I had this feeling like maybe DMX would also be Oh, good, that, would, that voice is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. A very important question in my mind. Yeah. If you were to choose a woman mm -hmm. to read these things, yeah, who would it be? There were some women on the list this time, actually. Amy, was I on the list? You were top of the list. <laughs> Thank you. Both of you were on the list. Yeah. And then I think Amy Poehler was on the list. Oh, great. Uh, Ali Wong, I think, was on oh, the list. Oh, that's good. She would have been a good one. Yeah. And actually, it's funny. The, the previous book, one of the audiobook publisher's recommendations was Meryl Streep. And I remember I was, like, having a call with them from some random hotel room somewhere. And I was, like, pacing around my hotel room being like... No, I don't want Meryl Streep. And I was like, what What type of life do I live? You know, <laughs> That's a real, like, pinch me moment yeah. where you're like, I am turning down Meryl you're Streep. Like, I don't can't get, even think of how many Academy Awards. You're like, 75 Academy right. Award, Academy Award winning nominee. Yeah. You know? Get Meryl Streep the fuck out of here. Yeah, like, <laughs> exactly. what's going on right now? Well, on that note, can we hear you read Absolutely. from your book? Yeah. Oh, it's like adult story time. Yeah, yeah. Yay. We'll pretend this is like library <laughs> story time. Yay. You guys can pretend you're on the floor on cushions. I can pretend I'm a 65-year-old folk singer who reads <laughs> stories at the library. Perfect. I have wonderful news for you, darling. A little brother or sister is coming. What fun. As for me, my life's pretty much fucked now. Because two's a million more kids than one. <laughs> the baby is growing inside mama's tummy. Put your hand there. You might feel a kick. Soon you won't be the focus of all our attention. Chances are, that will make you a dick. Pretty much all the chances, yeah. <laughs> I never knew love before you came, and I swore that one kid would be it, so... This is a big change for us all, hun. Our life is one gigantic shit show. <laughs> Once there were pockets of quiet, when Mama and Papa could do a few. 
grown-up type things, but not anymore. Fuck, now there are two of you. <laughs> that cat's face says it all. Yeah. <laughs> You're so loving and sweet with the baby, snuggled in bed side by side. It makes me wish I could forget your attempts at motherfucking fratricide. <laughs> right? Like That baby could easily be smothered yeah, in that picture. But like, you know, one minute your kids are like loving each other up and the next minute one is trying to choke the shit out of the other. Pretty much like, every day you just prevent your kid from accidentally killing themselves. Yeah. Sometimes when you both are sleeping, we watch you secure in the knowledge that one day this madness will come to an end and you'll both go the fuck off to college. At two in the morning, it hits me. My heart thumps a rat-a-tat-tat. If you two are going to college, how the fuck are we paying for that? We, like, had a little bit of a panic attack when we read that. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. It's <laughs> okay. The end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like um, the subtitle should be a cautionary tale for parents. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's interesting, right? You can either give this at, you know, the second baby shower yeah. or or just hit people off with it to let them know how you feel about right. whether they should have right. another baby or I'm, I'm going to go pick up a copy. Every time and, my yeah. mother wants me to have another baby, I'll just yeah. hand this to her. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, as I said, I'm cool with vasectomies, but now that I think about it, this is a cheaper and right. easier solution, actually, is yes. just giving this gift. Give us the real deal. Are there more books in the works? Like, oh, fuck, they're dating. Or, fuck, I don't like their friends. Or, fuck, is that weed I smell? Or maybe one for the ladies. Fuck, you broke my vag. That's a good one. I'm going to say that... Maybe your wife can write that one. The chances are slim that I will write, fuck, you broke my vag. (laughs) I don't really ever plan to do more books in this series unless something happens in my life that seems to, like, necessitate it. Like, fuck, now there are two of you is, is my reality right now. Right. You know, um... All of the things you mentioned are probably a hopefully Jesus, hopefully a few years in <laughs> yeah, exactly. my future. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank this you guys. Enjoy your this time here with your wife. Yeah, you. you don't have kids for a little while. Oh yeah, it's like a long date. Yeah, it's <sighs> incredible. So I love all of Adam's books, but especially the sleep one really spoke to us all because of us, it, put, yes. it put into perspective how much sleep is an issue for parents everywhere, regardless of what time it hits them. It's going to hit every parent, a sleep issue. Absolutely. I mean, because the sleep doesn't just affect our kids, it affects us. Right. So that's why we're going to talk to an actual sleep expert, Dr. Craig Canapari. He's the director of the Yale Pediatric Sleep Center and the author of the book, All of You Parents Need. It's called It's Never Too Late to Sleep Train, The Low-Stress Way to High-Quality Sleep for Babies, Kids, and Parents. And it's really a good read for any stage of parenting. You and I are in completely different stages of parenting, and it pertained to both of us. We both were having some sleep issues with our kids just as of recently, and he really helped us figure out what it was all about. Right. So it turns out we were both going through some sleep regression things, and Dr. Canapari's tips really helped, and he's going to talk about what regression is and how to deal with it. So wake up from your naps, wipe your sleepy eyes, and let's get to it. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Kanapari, for one, sending us those books, and two, for and, coming on the show. And, and, and three, imparting all your wisdom on those who are sleep-deprived and desperate. Oh, well, thank you. That's very kind. Thank you so much for having me. So let's just start, like, really simply. This is a word, it's a buzzword that parents hear all the time. What is sleep regression? So when parents ask me about sleep regressions, they're usually referring to a term uh, that's become pretty popular on the Internet about the idea of these changes or disruptions in their child's sleep that seem to happen at predictable intervals. 
I will say, to me, most of the time they don't seem to be predictable, with a couple of exceptions. One is around potty training. Another is around the advent of walking. And I also have noticed that some children, and I think this relates to what Ashley had told me via email, when a child starts childcare, sometimes you may see some change in the sleep patterns as well. Yes. You know, a difficulty napping in a new school is, is not that surprising to me, right? We all may struggle to sleep in a new environment. Um, I, what, I, what I often see more commonly is kids that will nap in school and then they refuse to nap at home on the weekends, for example. Kids can start transitioning out of a nap commonly between two and a half and three and a half years of age. Oh, no. And it, <laughs> well, and, and it never goes smoothly, right? It's not like just one day they don't need the nap anymore. What's the first thing parents should do if their kid is having sleep issues? The first thing I tell people is actually look for a medical issue. If you're noticing a pattern being like, oh, my kid has a little bit of a cold, okay, one or two nights of a little bit of disruption is okay, but we're a week out and we're still struggling, that's a good opportunity to maybe call your pediatrician and bring your child in to be checked out just to have confidence that you're not missing some sort of simple problem that could be your child can't you know, tell you about in a preverbal child. Obviously, a three- or four-year-old could tell you if their ear hurts, but they're not always the most you know, reliable witnesses, as, as it were, especially in the middle of the night. Yeah. I mean, can these be prevented? For example, like, let's say you're getting ready to potty train your child or, you know, that walking starting to happen or daycare. All these things that you've talked about could be possible triggers for some sleep issues, possibly. Is there any way to prepare so that they don't happen? Or is it just like an inevitable thing that will happen? No, I, I absolutely think there are things you can do. And it goes back to... If you had to sleep your, train, your child for the first time, the sort of things you did to help your child learn to be a successful sleeper. To me, the most important thing is putting together a great bedtime. I mean, in, in general, when we, you know, when we think about the scientific method, right, you change one variable or one variable is going to change. You try to keep everything else constant. So if you know your child's got some sort of behavioral thing in the pipeline, something new on the horizon, some exciting new development, that's a time to make sure, be like, well, is my bedtime routine very consistent regardless of who, who is doing it? What time am I doing it? Am I always putting my child into bed drowsy but awake? And look for these little, for lack of a better word, areas of uh, leakage in your routines. Being like, you know, when your kid's been sleeping great for a while and all of a sudden you're like, I don't know, start bringing them into your bed in the morning because it's really fun to cuddle with them and it's really nice. Um, these are the sort of things that, can can maybe lead to trouble. And I mean, again, I'm not saying don't cuddle your kid in the morning, but if you're worried that something might start disrupting their kid's sleep, I mean, let's say something like, oh, you're moving to a new house. Well, maybe that's a time to really double down and making sure your routines are super consistent and, for lack of a better term, like really precise. You're really communicating to your child the importance of bedtime, the importance of a routine, and your expectations for how they're going to behave during the night. My husband and I talk about this all the time, that part part of it when we even explore having another child is, but what if it's a really bad sleeper? <laughs> what are we going to do? What, speaking, so in case Ashley does want to have another one, oh, yeah. what are good sleep practices for kids that we should make sure, like, that we faithfully implement and so that everybody gets a good night's sleep and we're, we're one big happy family? It's so simple, but I think that bedtime routine is, is just key. And um, 
honoring your child's bedtime routine, right? Being like, you know what, most nights my child is going to go to bed at the same time in the same place, and we're going to do the same sequence of events before it, even if it's inconvenient. Is there an age where really it's set It's set, and there, there's no going back? Oh, absolutely not. I, I, I am a firm believer that regardless of your child's age, if you're struggling with their sleep, there's a lot you can do to improve it. And, I, I mean, I've heard this so many times, and the way that parents will phrase it to me is they'll say, I'm worried I've ruined my child's sleep, mm-hmm. right? I, I think we've all had thoughts like that, being like, oh, my yes. God. I can't believe I, to- I totally blew this. I'm never going to be able to fix this. And the fact is, you absolutely can. And, uh, you know, I'd say to any of the parents struggling out there, you love your kid, you're doing your best you can, your child is going to turn out fine. And the fact is, they're probably going to start sleeping better once they hit kindergarten or first grade, no matter what you do. Not that you want to wait that long. Yeah. So I, I would say to parents, absolutely work on that bedtime Look at different behavioral techniques. Um, I I also wanted to ask you. La- you had two great tips in your book. One, I was, mean, you had more than two. Of course, just- <laughs> you had so many. But our two favorites were the sleep pass and the monster spray. Can you kind of just explain that a little bit for our listeners? So the bedtime pass is is essentially like a hall pass, and what that you know we all probably remember from high school having to get a, a hall or bathroom pass to go out in the hall between periods. So for a child that needs, you know, is coming out of the house a lot and, look, and looking for, sorry, coming out of their bedroom a lot and looking for attention, what you can do is give them this thing called a bedtime pass. And I say, you know, make it a little bit fun. I mean, don't, you don't have to laminate it unless you're like, you know, that kind of parent. I would. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, lamination, glitter, it's all totally allowed. <laughs> but you don't, ha- you don't have to. And when they come out of the room, they can redeem that pass for something, some attention from you. Uh, a hug, a quick story, a back rub, et cetera, something manageable. But after they've used up their pass, and you can start with a couple of passes. If your kid's coming out of the room five times a night, I'd give them maybe four passes and then remove one a week. The, um, after they've used up their passes, you just, uh, you basically what you do is you just um, take them back to their room without comment. Don't really give them a lot of attention. Um, and here's the key. They can redeem their pass the next morning for uh, a reward. Oh. So I mean, yeah, and, and, you're th- and this is giving positive, because kids, what kids will do is they'll hoard the pass if they know they might get something good. This doesn't have to be anything extravagant. It could be for a younger child. It could be some of those little toys like you might get at the dollar store or, the, or you know, the machines where you put a quarter in and they get, like, a little reward. Yeah. Um, or it could be, um, it can be, like, 10 minutes of screen time if that's part of your routine, like little tiny rewards, but things that your child is going to really dig that won't cost you that much either in terms of financial or time investment to give. So, again, you're rewarding your child staying in their own room. Now, the monster spray is just taking like a spray bottle and you could like use put a little lavender smell or something like that in, and if your child's got nighttime fears, you could just kind of just spray it around a little bit bedtime and say, well, so you know cute. what, the monsters are allergic to this. So you don't really have to worry about this. Um, and some children will find that very reassuring. I mean, I think that that can be a little bit dicey because there are some kids be like, wait, monsters are real? I'm yeah. just kidding. <laughs> so you kind of have to, I mean, with all these things, you have to see, you have to kind of know your child a little bit and sometimes trial and error. Some kids that might be, the spray is amazing, 
I'm, I'm just leaving it here. I'm gonna might use it in the middle of the night. And other kids might be like, oh my god, I wasn't sure about this monstrous thing, but now I know. <laughs> Well, we just wanted to say thank you so much, Dr. Kanapari, for firstly talking to us as individuals about our kids, which is pretty most and pretty without, much the most invaluable resource. And without judgment, because that's that's so key. Sometimes you go seek a specialist and you feel more judged than heard. Yes. And you are the exact opposite yes. of that. You are one of the most generous with your time and just really thoughtful, compassionate advisors. So thank you. Well, thank you. That is an incredible compliment. Much appreciated. And for everybody out there who's listening, don't forget, you can pick up Dr. Canapari's book, Uh, It's Never Too Late to Sleep Train. And I You can catch him in the New York Times, the paper of record. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, don't sleep on that book. I see what you did with that. Yeah, you see? I I see what you did with that. Yeah. So Lullaby League is a competition show that was made by Scary Mommy, and it's super fun. I've never seen anything like it. No, it's amazing. It's it's basically teams of acapella singers. So there's a gospel uh, choir. There's, you know, something similar to pentatonics. Right. Am I even saying that correctly? Pentatonic. pentatonic, pentatonic. You know what I'm saying. Yes. Um, th- these are real singers, and they have to compete to sing real babies to sleep, and nothing was faked. And it's timed. It's timed. Nothing was faked. Everything is 100% honest. No auto-tuning. Nothing was fake. No. No drums. It was all their voices. (laughs) Also, some of these babies were taking like hours to fall asleep. And the parents, even Scary Mommy's own team, we were like shocked. These babies went to sleep in minutes with a lullaby. Yeah. It was crazy. Uh, we're trying to tell you as much as we can without giving too much away because it really is a great, it's, fun show. What it's, did you describe it like? American Idol meets Super Nanny. Right. But it's hosted by Jim O'Hare, who Parks um, and is from Parks and Raps. Uh, Not Raps. Raps. Rex. Sorry. Parks and Rex. Um, he has no children, and he, he honestly doesn't like He's kids. He's not fond of children. Yeah, he doesn't Which like makes kids. him a hysterical host. Here's what one mom from Lullaby League had to say. Hello, I'm Laura, and I am the very happy mum of Hattie, who is five and a half months. It was probably our third night in New York when I realized what utter hell it can mean to be a mum. When Hattie decided that she'd forgotten all about those lovely restful periods of her life so far, and she was going to wake up every hour and a half um, and scream blue murder. Um, So I didn't sleep at all, and then I realized what poor mothers out there can feel like, um, where you're slurring your words and you haven't even had a martini. Okay, so we have put baby down. We have a crying baby right now. So is this typical? This is very typical. This is what I was saying. This can go on for an hour. Okay, it really can't, because I can't take it. But let's see what these guys can do. All right, fingers crossed. New York City Gospel Choir.
show on Facebook Watch or Scary Mommy's YouTube page. Make sure you start with episode one because it is a it's competition. A yeah, you, you wanna... don't want to spoil who wins. Yes, but I will say that the gospel choir is my favorite. <laughs> It's true. You sent me that one. Yeah. So if you have a baby who won't fall asleep, check out the Lullaby League soundtrack on Spotify or iTunes called Take It Away, Carrie. Soothe Operator. Soothe Operator. Okay, I'm done. Confession time. Shh. Confessions. All right. You know what time it is. Confession, confession time. time. Do you have any uh, sleep-related confessions? I do. So we've been having a little bit of a hard time with Luna um, not napping and waking up a lot in the middle of the night, and she's been kind of sick recently. So I had one night where I basically slept like zero, and Lee slept through the whole night. The next day, I had uh, I was just emotionally not okay. I was so tired. No, there is nothing harder than not sleeping through the night. And I, I had a little talk with him about... If this happened again because she was sick, that he needed to take some of the night shifts. So, of course, she mostly slept through the whole night that night, of course. But then she did get up very early. So I got up with I, – I woke up late and I said, hey, since she slept mostly through the night, can you take this first early morning shift? Normally that's me. And he's like, right now? And I'm like, yeah, right now. And he's like, no, I can't. I'm too tired. So I got pissed off. I went into – got her. I was playing with her in – in, you know, her little playpen. Then I was got really mad that he said no. So I went back in the bedroom. I put the baby monitor on high and put it next to his face and then went back into the playroom, which is where the baby monitor was. And I turned on all of her musical toys all at once. <laughs> and I started playing every single new birthday musical toy at the loudest and being like, Luna, isn't this awesome? And she's like, ah, screaming, screaming. Lee opens up. He's like, what? What's going on? Why is it so loud? Why can I hear everything? I was like, oh, good. You're up. I'm going to go back to bed. You can take care of her. Oh, and that then, was so passive aggressive. I know. So my confession is, Lee, I, I put the monitor on high next to your face and I played all of the toys all at once so that you would get up and be with your daughter. I mean, although it was highly passive aggressive, I really it was a great move. I'm into it. It seems effective. I was like, oh, you're already up. That's great. Yeah. I'm going to go back to sleep now. That's good. Yeah. Good for you. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend no one being this passive aggressive, but that's my confession. Yeah, that's great. So my sleep confession is uh, I am one of those people who goes to sleep with the TV on. Mm-hmm. Every night I fall asleep wanting, watching one of our classics, which is either like The Office, Family Guy, Always Sunny, one of these. And sometimes we watch a new TV show, a new episode of something, not a rerun, and Matt is one of those people who, one of those very fortunate people who, as soon as he hits the bed, is out pretty mm-hmm. much. Maybe he has like 20 minutes, but he insists on like watching these new episodes anyway. So I don't fall asleep that quickly, and I will sit there and watch the entire episode through. And the next night when we go into bed, Matt goes, Did you finish watching the episode? And I'll say, Yes, I did. And he'll say, Well, I didn't see it. Can we watch it again? And my confession is, I will never watch it again, and nothing pisses me off more than having to watch the same episode of television two nights in a row before bed. I feel you. I'm the same way. It really bothers me. Me too. It really, really, even though I watch reruns every night before I go to bed, it drives me crazy. And it kind of, like, culminated one night. Is that the right word? Culminated? Yeah, culminated. Where I was just like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you fell asleep 10 minutes into South Park. I am not watching it again. I've already seen it. I saw it last night. Watch it on your own time. 
We asked you mamas, what's the weirdest thing you do to get your kid to fall asleep? And here's what you had to say. Nathan used to wake up at 4 a.m. every morning, and the only way he would get back to sleep is by watching this Thomas and Friends Christmas movie. It was a snowy day in Sodor. Still haunts me. I think that sounds like my worst nightmare. I don't know what Sodor is, but all I can think of is Hodor, Hodor, Hodor. Right, but I think you would know it if you watched Thomas, which... Bless, I bless us both that we don't watch it. Exactly. Because, you know, that's not my cup of tea. I can't do anything multiple times in a row. It, like, literally makes me feel like my brain is being bored through with a knife. Sebastian's been re- been obsessed with the Paw Patrol Halloween book, and we still have to read it to him before bedtime. And that's that I bought him a Paw Patrol Christmas book. Oh, boy. Yeah. Jeremy used to have to hug my arm to go to sleep, so I would have to lay with my arm in between the slots of the crib. We seriously contemplated making him a pillow shaped like my arm, but thought it might be too creepy. I mean, I can exist. I think it does exist, or I could just, I always see mannequin arms in the dumpster by Old Navy. That's not comfortable. The only way to get Monty to sleep was to put his bassinet in the bathroom, turn on the shower to get the room kind of steamy, and then put on the Beatles' white album. This went on for about a month and a half. That's 40. Five days. Is Monty trying to fall asleep or is he taking mushrooms? <laughs> Monty, <laughs> I love the name Monty. It's a great name. Monty loves the White Album. I mean, this kid what, is who's, like, who's Monty's favorite Beatle? Does it matter? <laughs> I want to know. That, I want to know what kind of experience he's preparing himself for. All right, mamas, thank you so much for joining us today. We had such a blast. And if you love this show, make sure you rate and review us on Apple Podcasts to help more moms find us. And if you want some more Scary Mommy in your life, be sure to subscribe to Scary Mommy Speaks wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want even more Scary Mommy, check out our articles and videos on ScaryMommy.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. Scary Mommy Speaks is a Some Spider production. This episode was produced by Dorothy Abrams and Julie Katakis, edited by Dorothy Abrams, and recorded and mixed by Weston Fonger. Music provided by Audio Network. Special thanks to Sam Bellingham and Angelina Powers at Vinyl Mix. Don't forget, we want to hear from you. So email your comments to speaks at scarymommy.com. Scary Mommy Speaks.